This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome to the Yanks Go Yard Podcast, the only podcast that gets you Bronx bombed on a weekday afternoon. I'm Adam Weinrib alongside Thomas Carinante. We're coming at you a little late with a bonus episode because we've got three dropping this week. Today, we're live chatting about all optics from the week. Is it something or nothing? Playing a little game. Glaber Torres' strange cryptic tweet, something or nothing. Going to be something to some people, nothing to others. What about Hal Steinbrenner's blowout meeting where he said, everybody check their egos at the door. Do we care? Do we not? Do the Yankees understand anything about optics? Because when you announce that you're putting nap pods in the clubhouse, it doesn't exactly play well to the people who already think the players are coddled. So just an FYI, if you're going to build nap pods, we actually don't need to hear about it, especially before there's any actual off-season change. I would maybe do off-season change first, then be like, also, we made nap pods. It doesn't really matter, and you don't have to know that, but you do now. Uh, That's just some, uh, that's free unsolicited PR advice. But the reason we're doing an episode today and a bonus episode is because we have, on tomorrow's show on the channel... Jabba Chamberlain joined us. Uh, Thomas Carinante, probably like the best interview we've ever done. Low yeah. key, high key, pretty easy to, pretty easy call there. Yeah, regular key. Uh, honest dude, open dude, pretty much real as real as it gets. Um, and uh, didn't I don't think he said he said everything so honestly, and there were no like hot takes in there. It wasn't like any. You see some of these former players that pop on these podcasts and they say this crazy shit for shock value, but yeah. Job is literally like a regular Yankees fan, which was super refreshing because he has the pedigree as a player who had accomplished a very good amount in his major league career and was a highly touted um prospect and up and comer and you know had to deal with all of those expectations and all that pressure um and he couldn't have been more uh down to earth i think that's just the best way to describe the guy so it was a pleasure having him you guys are going to enjoy that one for sure and he had some never before heard anecdotes about some players that you're not going to be shocked by at all but you're going to be happy that you heard so uh please tune in to that tomorrow it'll be premiering live on the channel and it'll go up on all audio feeds again we are live typically Mondays and Thursdays, uh, 2 o'clock Eastern, way delayed today. Sorry about that. Thomas and I had a lot of stuff to go through. Stuff. Um, unrelated to the New York Yankees, but of course, we're always thinking about the New York Yankees. We're live on YouTube and all podcast platforms right after the show. And Thomas, you've got an offer for anybody watching or listening. I sure do. And you know what? I'm going to give my unsolicited advice today because I'm feeling a pick, and I think it's this is where people got to cash in. Um because if you're getting the uh, if you're getting this risk-free situation from Caesars, it's the best bet you can get. Um, so if you're not yet signed up for Caesars Sportsbook, they are running a new sign-up offer that you're not going to want to miss. New customers can get their first bet on Caesars up to one thousand dollars by using our code YGY one thousand at sign up. Not only will that first bet be covered, this is my favorite part. You'll be directly supporting us, the podcast. The guys you have fun with every week, multiple times a week. So please head on over there. Get this done if you are ready to bet. My pick tonight, Phillies. You can't turn down the odds outside of the Braves comeback the other day um, in game two. I really don't see how, you know, they – they're they're gonna put up any uh fight tonight that i think they should should already sweat this series yeah this should be over it's not but it should be yeah they've been they have been um 
they have been outplayed for 99% of this series. So like I, I can't bet on them and you're getting good juice on the, uh, on the um, uh, Phillies plus 124. So like that, that's, if there's any time to use a risk-free bet, it's with that number. Um, so please head on over to Caesars. If you have not yet, the code is YGY1000 at sign up. That is YGY1000. This offer is available to new customers only who are 21 and older and physically present in gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode descriptions for full terms of the offer. Um, you can't bet on the Yankees. You can, however, I don't know. You can't bet anything on them. I don't even know what they're going to do. Hal Steinbrenner comes out and he talks to a bunch of people at a sports convention about this. Um Still bizarre. I mean, sort of bizarre, not bizarre that we haven't had a post regular season press co- end of season press conference. Yeah. Um, I'd rather would have seen that than this video clip pop up at whatever this was. Um, so, yeah, man, I don't know. Uh, I think Jabba put it nicely yesterday. I think, you know, you flip a coin with this team. That's what he said. That it, And it's it, it, whatever it lands on is maybe what they're going to do because super unpredictable right now everything's still vague changes are coming don't know what they are personnel changes could be coming but also probably not um i think good teams just need to identify the problem and axe it and the yankees are just not doing that once again yeah in case you missed it the first round of something or nothing is hal steinbrenner's little weird staff meeting that he announced yesterday we thought back in the day like two weeks ago we thought we were getting a big outside audit and then we learned we weren't and we assumed they were gonna do some internal soul searching and then ultimately change nothing that's kind of what it felt like hal told us all about yesterday uh he his appearance at, at some sort of you know yeah keynote speech came out where he was describing what the Yankees staff did in Florida to regroup at the end of the season. It sounded like he was just describing the conceit of the real world to someone who's never watched television before. He was like, look, we all got in a room. We checked our egos at the door. Sometimes it got pretty intense, but ultimately I am glad that Rebecca and I kissed in a hot tub. It's like, okay, well, I don't really know like what you're describing, but he basically was like, yeah, look, Cashman and and I don't know who else was there all got in a room together and sometimes it got fiery but in a good way we all checked each other we all like that's why we invited who we invited some sort of leadership meeting uh but to me it's still nothing because a I haven't seen any changes he said we're gonna make changes some of them more subtle than others like all right so I'll never know whether you changed an evaluation process or not like I'll just never know I don't know uh, you know, I don't know how player development guys attacked the eighth round of the draft before. And so you could tell me after the season, like, we totally revamped the way we do Midwest scouting. And I would be like, I guess, like, I just don't know. So unless there are very perceptible changes, I'm going to call this a nothing. But he certainly gave a great speech about, um, yeah, season seven of the real world. Like, yeah, it got real. We all like really stripped each other down we worked through past traumas and then end of day, we decided that maybe we don't want to move to LA and date. Maybe we're better off as friends. Like, I I don't know. It was a cool speech, but did nothing for me. Never does anything for me. I think at this point we've reached threat level midnight. The Yankees need to run their operation through action and less and less and less and less talking. Every time they talk, like you know like they're they're explaining something that we already know they're explaining the basic procedure of baseball roster moves or the basic procedure of someone recovering from an injury 
or anything else that you could guess with it. Edu- you know, any sort of educated uh, uh, jolt behind it, you can figure out what what the process or what the uh, the, the plan is, the plan of attack is. Um, him telling us that they've identified some areas and some changes are cut. If you've identified the areas where there's a problem, then you know what the changes are. I've identified the areas. I'm just yeah. some guy. I've identified the areas. <laughs> if, if the people in charge actually found out what the problems were, they would the, the next day they would have a decision on who would be staying and who would be going. For example, if the problem is the lineup construction, who is to blame? That would be Aaron Boone, unless there is, you know, messaging getting funneled from the front office. We want to talk analytics. If the problem has been the analytics team looking at the wrong numbers and refusing that, what he said here was everyone had to check their egos at the door. The first thing I thought is what kind of people are they hiring? They're hiring people that when you're going into a meeting to evaluate performance, which is like an annual thing in every single job in the history of the world, that they they can't enter the room without, you know, being too prideful or being too argumentative about maybe how their processes aren't exactly aligned with what the organization or, or anything anybody else is trying to achieve. So that rubbed me the wrong way first and foremost. Um, but even so, if you, for example, had the analytics team looking at the wrong numbers, you would know, Hey, we maybe need somebody directing this team better. So we're going to, we're going to make a change up top. I don't know. At this point, if you have sat in a room for three days, you claim to have identified what has been going wrong, but you're still unsure of what changes are going to be made. And you're unsure of the severity or the magnitude of those changes, then you don't really know what you're doing. So big old nothing for me. Nothing for me. The minor something is uh, that I forgot to mention is how noted that Steve Swindle Jr. has some input on baseball decisions. That's like Steinbrenner's nephew through marriage or something like mm. somebody got to clear that up. Some reporters got to be like, what has Steve Swindle Jr. done? The Joey Gallo trade? <laughs> is, he, is he in charge of midwestern scouting is that is that the rat did we Can find we look at frankie montas's medicals i just yeah he's he briefly he got a degree in uh shoulder surgery and and was like yeah these look good to me and they're like who reported that he's like dr swindle dr swindle, you swindle <laughs> jr um yeah somebody do a deeper dive into that not me i can't again i'm just a man but somebody please uh what the hell is going on there what about glaboratories tweets this one's just weird, weird to me, like something, nothing. It's definitely somewhere in between, but Glaber Torres hasn't been on Twitter in a long time. Uh, we we are used to Glaber on Instagram because he, he's a, a regular poster on Instagram, but he's been off Twitter. Uh, we know social media affects him. We know the trade rumors last year torpedoed his season. Uh, he was just like retweeting stuff. He had not posted an original tweet that was not an ad or a retweet of like a campaign he was doing since March, since the World Baseball Classic. He put up mm-hmm. a picture of himself in a Venezuela jersey. That's it. So a couple of days ago, he came back to tweet, all eyes on me, dot, dot. Mm. Then four minutes later, so long without Twitter. Oh, no, no, it's not Twitter anymore. It's X, laughing face guy. And everything remains the same, dot, dot, again. What is he going through? Like, 
look, is this something indicating like he's on the move tomorrow? No, but it's definitely something that he went back to the well where we know he's uncomfortable. He hates social media. He hates rumors. And he popped on to say, basically, uh, what this means to me is my mentions are full of garbage. Like, oh, I logged on to Twitter to say that everybody's speculating about my future. And, uh, you know, Twitter, X, same difference. Who cares? It's still just a bunch of people in my face talking about how I can't be moved, will be moved, belong here, belong elsewhere, etc. Um, so it's nothing because it doesn't mean like he's gone. But it's something because it means this is the most important offseason of his career so far. Uh, whether the Yankees decide to sell high or decide he's a key piece of next year's team, it's still like it really is all eyes on him. And what happened last time he got too focused on his mentions and on the chatter and on the rumors, he struggled. Uh, and so day the offseason has not begun. We are in the middle of the DS still. And he's here being like, damn, my mentions are crazy. Like that is something to me because it's the exact opposite of what I want to say. Yeah, this is fully something. I think he's I think legitimately what he's doing is bracing for what's to come. Um, and like you said, I think maybe he saw uh, a few things after the Yankee season ended with fans speculating or whatever it might be. Maybe he was reading some Yanks go yard. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, he's uh, historically not, you know, been good with this stuff. You had the the little uh tell-all nugget in the athletics saying that he forbade his family from talking about trade rumors last year uh when his name was mentioned there was um a direct correlation with him being mentioned in trade rumors and his horrendous august which was like historically bad for a month of play one of the worst months of play you'll ever see you date it back to when he got moved over to shortstop and couldn't mentally handle really any of it. And I, I'm not blaming him. I, I would probably mentally, I'd mentally crumble probably 50 times more than that, but uh, he very much couldn't handle it. He couldn't handle adjusting to a new position. He couldn't handle uh, playing defense. And then he allowed the defense to affect his offense. And then he, he allowed the poor play to kind of affect his body language which then snowballed into the negative media and the BS on social media that we see all the time. So um, I think it's definitely something. It very much aligns with everything that's been going on with him over the last few years. Uh, and I would feel a certain way if I was him too because he had a good year. And I know still we were frustrated with a lot of moments with him, whether it was um, you, know, you make a spectacular defensive play and then you boot a regular – routine ground ball or you know you put a run on the board with a homer and then in a crucial position you're running around the bases on a pop-up and you get doubled off um so yeah i don't think I, I don't think that defined his season um but uh i think that it's there are certainly things to take away from the fact that he's not like fully there sometimes um but nonetheless he was still the Yankees second best hitter whether you think that that's valid or not you know it's it's certainly the reality uh we wish it were different because i i i don't think Labor Torres should be the Yankees second best hitter i don't think most of us think that um in the end he had a good year he's still kind of dealing with shit because we're talking about you know him heading into arbitration with that escalated salary we know that that's probably not going to end well for anybody it never does um and then you talk about trade rumors because he's an expendable asset at this point, even though he's that good and he knows more of the chatter is going to come and he's simply preparing for it. And I don't, I don't blame him, but um, I think if this, if that's any indication of what's actually happening, then the Yankees probably should just 
say goodbye, let him start new elsewhere and figure figure out whatever they got to figure out. Yep, he's in his own mentions already, and it's the beginning of October. So just <laughs> to keep perspective on that, um, something or nothing, the final round. I think this is probably nothing, but it was still alarming to hear about what Brian Sabian is actually up to. This came from an athletic story this week, an athletic mailbag. Okay. We were all excited last offseason when Omar Minaya the old Mets GM and Brian Sabian, the man who constructed the 2010, 2012, 2014 Giants, came aboard the organization in some capacity. Sabian was with the Yankees pre-Dynasty, too, in the 90s. So bringing him back meant a lot to me, and it meant a lot more than hearing that Manaya was back. Because I was just like, cool, good advisor. But Sabian, I was like, this is an old-school Yankees name who helped build the dynasty and then helped oversee one of the best scouting operations of all time in San Francisco. I know Giants fans who I've heard from, you know, people didn't love the way he built the team and, and the way he operated in free agency. And they were certainly, there's a downhill spiral from the 2002 World Series through 2004 through 2010. Like there was a lot of treading water, especially towards the end of Barry Bonds' career. But Bumgarner, Posey, an unbelievable postseason team finding players at the margins to fill in a championship roster every year. Angel Pagan, Marco Scudero, Sergio Romo, Brian Wilson. Like those Giants teams were just, they were the original current Astros. It was like, who they're doing it again. Mm -hmm. They're doing it again. You would just yell every year. You're like, it's happening. <laughs> it was always happening. They knew how to find talent. So to hear Sabian was back really excited me. Turns out maybe not so hands-on. Uh, now, you don't have to be hands-on if, you if you're a phone call away, if Cashman can reach you. But The Athletic wrote about their two roles, Manaya and Sabian, and said, Manaya has had an everyday presence around the Yankees, especially in the second half. Manaya was with the team on its first two road trips of the year in place of Cashman, who stayed back. It's clear that Manaya and his long track record in MLB front offices is valued by the Yankees and that he will have a voice in the offseason when they look to turn things around. As far as Sabian, he's had less involvement on the ground, spending more of his time at home in Florida and advising on the draft. But he's also someone Cashman trusts. He, alongside Manaya, could be tapped for his wisdom. Could be tapped for his wisdom, especially mm. regarding roster construction philosophy. So good that he's involved. Good that he's involved on the draft. But Manaya traveled with the team instead of Cashman a couple of times. At the end of the season, we heard that he went on the road trip instead of Cashman and brought Nick Swisher. So it really kind of sounds to me like Manaya, Swisher, and then Brian Sabian's available if you want to talk to him, which is not as exciting to me as I wanted it to be. Although it is kind of exciting because it feels like Nick Swisher was probably in that check your egos at the door meeting, just doing like, all right, guys, put my cards on the table. I understand I did not do as good a job as I could have this year, man. <laughs> my ego, when I entered, oh man, when I entered spring training, my ego is at a 30 out of 10. I was so excited that you guys would trust me with this job. I was so excited you let me talk Anthony Volpe through his season. Then he struggled, man. So now, honestly, personally, I'm at like a 24 out of 10. So <laughs> I need to think that he was there probably, but I am not uh, not hardened to hear about what Brian Sabian's been up to. I don't know. Yeah, I, I was always 
confused by whatever this plan was and that's yeah. i was nervous that it would devolve to this where it was like they're special advisors they're coming in they're going to be hands-on and then oh i can actually uh page him on his beeper to ask him a question about uh this guy's scouting report so that's his role we pay him actually um uh, nine hundred thousand dollars a year for that um i don't uh, it, it is i don't know who is the right the problem is, is i don't know who the right person is to influence brian cashman and uh, the fact that Brian Sabian's kind of at arm's length at this point makes it seem like maybe he's not the guy um, and maybe Manaya is. I don't know. I, on the flip side, I don't think it's bad to have these people in your inner or barely outer circle if you need the type of insight that you might lack or um, just to get a quick primer on a player or – a scouting report or whatever, whatever it might be someone who's been in the league for 30 plus years, who has captured three world series titles, who built, you know, a form of a dynasty not too long ago um, is certainly valuable to have. But um, this is something because it's more in line with kind of what the Yankees do. It's a fake change. It's like, here you go, we're going to try this. And then like over time, it's like, we never were really trying it. We just made it seem like we were trying and now it's never what it was. So I, I it's, it's annoying, but I guess at least a heavier involvement from Manaya and, but Manaya doesn't really give me any hope. Does he? He didn't, he wasn't entirely successful. I know we built a couple good Mets teams, but like, they historically choked. Um, yep. The Yankees have an historic choke problem over the last, you know, the better part of two decades with the exception of one playoff run. So uh, I, I don't know. It, Brian Sabian seems to have championship DNA. I don't know if he's maybe too old school for kind of where everything's gone in the baseball world. I, I literally have no idea because I don't know how. Um, I, I mean, I know analytics certainly weren't as cutting edge and, and front facing as they were you know, now compared to 2010, 20, when was the last Giants title? 2014. 2014. Even so that was almost 10 years ago. So uh, the game's changed quickly. It's changed a lot. Um, I like more hands-on involvement. So it doesn't seem like these are uh, pseudo changes, but uh, that's, that's what we got right now. What if it just turned out he'd never heard of analytics? They like brought him back and they were like, and of course you're going to have input on the analytics team. And he's like, the, the what now? No, I don't the baseball. <laughs> I do you guys hired a whole department while I was gone? <laughs> yeah, I haven't been in a front office since 1993. Were you <laughs> running the Giants? Um, yeah, I mean, ultimately, we were excited when he was announced as an advisor, but yeah. this kind of just sounds like maybe Cashman was texting him anyway. Like, maybe Cashman's always been texting him, and they decided to just announce it at the beginning of last season so that we knew that, because it doesn't sound like he's ever there. So it's just like, hey, you know, Brian Cashman has friends, which, like, that's neat, <laughs> but that doesn't do much. Does not do much. And then another Brian. Maybe that's what they needed to just create some confusion. We need four Keep more everybody Brian's. On toes. We need four more Brian's minimum. I uh, really thought I kind of wanted to do Swisher for uh, for Jabba yesterday. I was surprised. The, the that impression? I, yeah, it's a bummer I didn't get to do it. I really wanted to do it. He would have liked that probably. Maybe next time. <laughs> oh, man, I'll tell you what, man. Mm. That 2009 clubhouse was crazy. You're the only <laughs> You know, like baseball teams ever been friends with each other, man. We're crazy. Okay. Um, yeah. I love, I love, it, I, love I love Nick Swisher. Um, just maybe optically, 
Um, the Yankees did not have to announce yesterday that they're building nap pods and changing the lighting yeah. in the clubhouse, adding yeah. red lights, uh, improving, you know, dining spaces. Um, all of these are good things. But when you are Hal Steinbrenner and you are being asked about rampant offseason changes and your response is, yeah, we're going to make them for sure. We're going to make them. No doubt in my mind are we making them. Some of them are going to be subtle. You won't even see us make them. Some of them are going to be obvious. We're changing the name to the Yankees. But rest assured, we're going to make them. What are they? Well, we'll get to that in a little bit. But first of all, I want to tell you all about some subtle improvements we're making to the clubhouse, like nap pods and red light therapy. You're going to get dunked on. Yes. People are going to log on to Twitter or X. Is it called these days? Ha ha. I don't know. It all stays the same quote. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, that's the, the narrative that the tweet that people are going to send me is like, did you see the Yankees are building sleeping rooms in the clubhouse? And I'm going to say, yes, I did see that. And yes, it's silly that I know that I could have lived my whole life without knowing that they're building sleeping rooms. But unfortunately, it's the core takeaway of the first real offseason appearance of Hal Steinbrenner. And I just want to show up one day late to be like, you didn't have to tell anybody that you didn't have to tell anybody that nobody cares. I want to hear it. I want to hear it 10 years later when it was either instrumental in winning a World Series championship because the players got an extra 10 minutes of rest in between uh, batting practice and the game. Or I wanted in 10 years later in a, in a giant expose about how the Yankees coddled all their players, removed the championship DNA from this team and caused everything to spiral even further. I don't know why you mentioned this, but then again, I can't blame Hal Steinbrenner because he's come out and said multiple times he does not read the back pages he doesn't read anything in the newspapers. He doesn't read anything on the internet. So how would he know that making a nice announcement saying, you know what, we're going to upgrade the player amenities. We had some nap pod, you know, I don't know. Back in my day, we didn't have any nap pods with these players. Now they want nap pods. We're going to give them to them. Um, he thought it was probably being nice saying, Hey, look, you know, we spend money. We accommodate the players needs. We want to make them comfortable. We want to make sure they're prepared for every game. But in reality, it's not that type of content for the way we digest things now now you see that headline where it's like how steinbrenner announces changes colon red lights coming to clubhouse in addition to nap pods are yankees softest they've ever been where are your kids it's 10 p.m um so i wish he didn't uh i wish he didn't say that i understand there were probably good intentions behind it. but again why don't this is the new york yankees why don't they have like why don't they have a Gen Z PR person running around the front office every day, being in on these meetings? Some, you know, Cashman's like, hey, you know, we're gonna have a pregame press conference. We're gonna announce this. House members, like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna appear at the sports conference. I'm gonna say this. Got to have somebody in there who's on technology all the time, who knows how these things are gonna receive. Actually, hell, you're not gonna say that. That's gonna get you. TikTok's gonna destroy you. You know, Mastodon, you'll never see the end of it. We <laughs> need that. We need somebody in there telling them that they can't hold these. The, these media sessions or the these public appearances in the manner that they do because they never come off correctly. You can name how many incidents can we name from this past season? You have the Josh Donaldson meeting with uh, Aaron Boone right before 
uh, that game. Yeah, the Josh Donaldson sit-in where yeah. Bowden was like, we actually yeah, talked about nothing. Why was that so long? <laughs> Why was it before the pregame press conference? Why didn't you bring him out here to talk about nothing? Um, there were many. I mean, the most egregious one was uh, was last year with Aaron Judge's contract extension. That was mm-hmm. hours before opening day. Mm-hmm. They decided to essentially throw him under the bus and set the vibes off. You know, thankfully at that point it didn't really set anything off because they had a really good first half. But it made the fan base feel shitty. It didn't make people feel good. I don't know why. I don't know why we're doing this. I don't know why they don't have better. I, I really just don't know why they don't have better um insight into how they need to present this to their fans because it's 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 legitimately affecting how people live their lives this is a george costanza idea nap pods in yankee stadium it's like cotton polyester uniform switch like aren't you the guy who booked the ramada in milwaukee like yeah. the play is getting tired like this is a it's what look whatever again you're right maybe nap pods work maybe they're the missing link and then maybe we find out about that in somebody's book in the wake of a championship season, not beforehand, when everybody already thinks you sleepwalked through 2023. <laughs> you know what I call we're naming the nap pods after games from the second half of this season. Like, oh, this nap pod is uh losing the first two to the Rays with a uh, combined three hits. Like <laughs> just getting absolutely dominated by Tyler Glass now. That's what we're calling this nap pod, the West nap pod. We're calling this nap pod Anthony Rizzo trying to react to a fastball mid concussion. (laughs) That's what we're calling this nap pod. Just think next again, a Gen Z PR guy, Gen Zillow. Zillow. (laughs) Uh, That's what we need. We need Gen Zillow advising Jason Zillow before we sign off. So much ink has been spilled. And last show, we talked a lot about the Yankees in the playoffs, the people we missed out on, all the rain, the Rangers' whole rotation. Heaney, Evaldi, uh, you know, Jordan Montgomery. We, we've been through the ringer, but somehow we forgot the Philadelphia Phillies, who uh, are maybe the ultimate old-school, new-school blend. Sam Folds is in the front office advising Dave Dombrowski. He's probably the favorite to be the Red Sox next GM and he's new school. So it's not like they don't use analytics. Everybody freaking uses analytics. Everyone. But Dave Dombrowski built a team of burly mashers, strong dudes who are not phased, who know how to win in October led by Bryce Harper, who Brian Cashman said, not only do I not want him, I want everyone to know I don't want him. I'm going to be a real dick about not wanting him. I'm going to say we have six outfielders, Aaron Hicks, Clint Frazier, Brett Gardner. Yeah, that's an epic long-term outfield. I'm going to say we're not interested in him being a first baseman, even though he's currently the first baseman for the Phillies, coming off a TJ, coming off a Reese Hoskins injury. But this isn't even about Bryce Harper. It could be forever. And I still maintain that not going after Bryce Harper and bragging about how unique it was to not go after Bryce Harper should have gotten Brian Cashman fired. But who's in the dugout? Who manages this team? Rob Thompson, who was considered too close to Joe Girardi to get a real shot at managing when Girardi left. But we weren't told anything about Rob Thompson, right? I thought he was always just sort of a bland guy sitting, hanging out by Girardi. Nope, turns out he's an old-school, new-school baseball savant, clubhouse-managing, puppeteer god. He's been the perfect guiding force for these Phillies, and now he's Philly Rob, and now he has a job basically in Philly for life. He'll probably, at some point, pretty soon, five years, 
just be like, I'm walking away. And that's fine. But the Yankees missed out on like six years of this guy. They could have had him. And who's right by his side as the hitting coach for this relentless attack, regular season, postseason, doesn't matter. Kevin Long. And I get why we needed to fire Kevin Long after 2013 and 2014. Eight years for a hitting coach in one place is a long period of time. And he has bounced around since then. He's gone to the Mets. He's gone to the Nationals. I get it. Hitting coaches don't stay in the dugout for 25 years. But how about Kevin Long, Yankees manager? How about it, everybody? Just think about it. You can't hire Rob Thompson. You can't sign Bryce Harper. But you can bring Kevin Long aboard for his first big league managerial job after Aaron Boone's contract expires. I'm just saying you can have a piece of this, too. It really feels like we didn't know about Thompson by design because really i think didn't. That, i i hit rob thompson joe espada i mean i thought of these guys were just like third base coaches i yeah. didn't know they had any input this was like seven six years ago i knew nothing it feels like a totally different world yeah i feel like the, if if they had let you know if, if reports had gotten out suggesting that these guys were you know, analytically driven yet old school, it would have riled up Yankees fans in a good way. And then the Yankees would have had to make make a decision that their fans were pushing, which is something they, I guess, Brian Cashman doesn't like to do anymore. Um, You want to date it back to, like you said, about Harper. Um, I think the same could be said about Corey Seager. Um, And look how we're getting burned in all different types of ways right now. I'm not saying the fans are always right. I think there were legitimate reasons to maybe not sign some of these players to certain contracts or, um, you know, take risks on certain coaches. I don't know. I'm not going to say that every decision that they made was absolute garbage, but the fact that they passed on so many obvious ones that were right in front of them, uh, Bryce Harper, you know, was begging to be a Yankee. Corey Seager had, he had Yankees ties in some capacity, right? Um, Mm -hmm. We, you know, there were, there were just so many things that, and Rob Thompson was in the, he was here, he was in the dugout. Um, and they, they had knowledge of him, you know, being a, a positive and, and driving force for the players. So I, I just don't know. It's like, they're bucking the trend in all the worst ways. They're trying to, they're trying to, you know, be, they're trying to be different, but it's at the cost of becoming worse. Um, you're watching it happen. It look at every player in these playoffs and Yankee look Yankees fans do this all the time. Oh, you should have been a Yankee. You should have been that a lot of these incidents actually have tangible pull to it. Pablo yeah. Lopez trade fell through Carlos Correa. There are reports about his agent contact the Yankees multiple times because he wanted to play for the Yankees. They didn't do it. Bryce Harper. We know everything about that. Corey Seager. Like I said, there was some sort of link there. Um, Jordan Montgomery, we had him. We decided to not utilize him properly, and then we decided to trade him. Um, list goes on and on. I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's a oh, uh, I mean another one, Matt Olson and Sean Murphy, two guys we could have traded for. Traded, we traded for all the wrong athletics players. So, again, take 25 percent of these possibilities and put them in the Yankees' favor, and there is a large, large difference in how this team performs and is perceived by the public over the last as long as five years as short as two years um and they've uh, along the way have failed to address it early on they've failed to address it in somewhere in the middle um and now they're once again dragging their feet 
after we've witnessed the worst season since 2016, worst season since worst season in the modern era since 2016, worst season since 1992, right? Yeah. Um, I had a little more fun this year than 2013-14, to be honest, especially because the Red Sox won the World Series in 2013. But uh, objectively, yeah, bottom of the barrel since 92. Yeah. So, I mean, and the fact that they're dragging their feet again just is not is not a good sign. The fact that Aaron Boone is definitely coming back. I mean, is that again, is that going to change everything? No, but it's just it's not a good sign for in terms of them actually making changes and being and, and being proactive, which they, they have not been. Well, next thing you know, we're going to be finding out Brian Sabian did the nap pod. So that's something. Stay tuned. Uh, We'll be right back with you next week live on Monday at 2 o'clock Eastern like normal. But stay tuned to the feed tomorrow. Set your alerts because you're getting a Jabba Chamberlain interview, and it's amazing. So uh, please hit subscribe if you haven't. Uh, if you're here for the first time, welcome. Uh, we just hit 700 subscribers and we love it, but we know that is just the beginning. If you're here on the audio feed, thank you so much as well. We put that out right after the live show on YouTube every week and we're building up numbers there as well. So thanks to everybody for showing out. Thanks to people for showing support. Big off season ahead. Lots of shows, lots of different time slots, lots of variants on the feed, interviews, maybe some narrative stuff, stuff you're not used to. We just want to see what works. We're going to keep trying it out. Thank you, Yankee fans, for riding with us. We'll see you again on Monday.